It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Wow. I wish that was me. I got to go to work after this. Well, you're like maybe a, a hard cider. I'm a hard cider? Yeah. What's Farrow? Shirley Temple. <laughs> Shh, don't say anything. No, I won't say nothing.
everybody, this is Gilbert! And it's your boy James Ellsworth, and you're listening to Long Island's number one wrestling podcast, Monty and the Pharaoh. Duh.
All right, welcome back to Long Island's number one pro wrestling broadcast, Monty Nefaro, seen only here out of Indie Music TV. Here in Ronkonkoma, Long Island, at the board, as usual, is our super producer, Matt. How are you? Great, as always. And to the right is the star of the show, still the man, Jimmy Farrow. Jimmy, how are you, brother? Nice segue there, Mikey. It's pretty good, right? That was off the cuff. Look at you, Captain Improv. I'm proud. Hello. You are beaming right now, aren't you? That sounded pretty cool on the headphones. It does sound cool. I'm glad I put the headphones on for that. And uh, nice, thank you. Thanks for uh, in studio. That. We have our special guest, UWF WWE Florida Championship Wrestling Superstar, Mr. Sunny Beach. Sunny, how are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me again. And uh, we have a surprise. Well, not a surprise guest, but on the other line, who we'll bring in shortly is your former tag team partner from Wet and Wild, Steve Ray. Steve Wild Thing Ray from Kansas City, Missouri. Man, oh man. How, when's the last time you guys have hung out with each other? We hung out when we were doing uh, The Dark Side of the Ring. Probably, um, was it filmed in November, maybe? Last yeah. Okay. November. So uh, they flew Steve in to New York, and uh, he came over to my offices, and we filmed over at my offices and at my house, and then went to the cemetery and stuff. So. Okay, mm. cool. Well, we'll get into that once Stevie gets on the line. Um, but before we get to you guys, I have a question that's really been troubling me, and I want am I, two am of I you to weigh in. Why am I worried already? But go on. What's your What's your question? <laughs> go ahead. The world is in uproar. We all understand this. We're all having issues. Um, yeah. We all know what's going on. Oh, sure. But the thing I'm not understanding what's going on is what's the deal with these women not shaving their underarms? <laughs> what? No. What? This is your big question. It is a huge question. No wonder I was. Have worried. you noticed that no, women have stopped shaving under their really? underarms? You know, wow. I think women have stopped taking care of their maintenance. You know, like going to the nail salon and going to get their hair done. And I think they just gave up. Wait some a of minute! It. They're not trying to keep and keep it up at home. They just threw in the towel. <laughs> some of them. What are you I mean, saying? My, my wife, she's good, but you know, okay. I send her for maintenance every week. But uh, you know, but some of these let other me, women. Let me ask you: wife, we're daughter, younger men. My family's good. There's not something to brag. We're, we're older young. guys, but just oh. let's make believe we're young again, right? Oh boy, yes. let's make believe. Go and on. you're at the bar, right? See, you know, I mean, you know, throw some of those pictures up there, Matt, when you can. Madonna's daughter's there. You don't know she's Madonna's Lourdes, daughter. Good-looking yeah. young lady. Okay, beautiful. I bodyguarded her before. You have really. I have. But really? she's got a bushel of hair under her arms. What the? Are you going up to that and saying, hey, what's up? No. You know what I'm doing. What are you doing? Wooly bully! Watch out! Watch out now! Watch out! No, you won't <laughs> You won't sing Wooly Bully to them? Is uh, that improper nowadays there, Sonny? That's improper. Wow. You be politically correct. <laughs> hell, man. I, so it doesn't matter how beautiful a woman is. If she's got hairy underarms, now, you're now, done. Now, hold on. Didn't I tell you the story last year when I worked the Grateful Dead Festival of Security? Hey, hey, security. Right. I worked the Grateful Dead Festival of Security, and we were all hanging out. We were checking out the crowd, and this gorgeous woman starts twirling in her beautiful dress, and she's feeling the music, and it's, you know, the drugs are working. Yeah, probably, but whatever. I'm assuming, right. but I'm assuming the right. drugs are working. And, it, you know, she throws her arms up to the sky. Here comes the solo. Dude, there was more shrubbery underneath those Ugh. armpits. And and the entire security squad just basically went to get food. 
I mean, I know like, some wow. of those European women, you know, they don't really shave or believe in shaving or deodorant and stuff. But well, it's a turnoff to let, me. You know, when Stevie gets on the line, we'll talk about this too. But when you what? wrestled, right. didn't you shave your underarms because you didn't want the boys having to Did have I? crap in their mouth and you whatever else? You no, know, I never shaved my underarms. Oh, you didn't? No, what? I just used deodorant and I smelled sweet. <laughs> but, um, no, I Gee, your pits smell terrific. I'm a real man. I shaved my underarms. I, I never really shave my underarms. What? Never shave my legs. Never shave my body. Well, I don't, some of the bodybuilders shave, shave their body, you know, because they want to be all oiled up. Going? And you know, some yeah. of the guys would shave. You know, I think Macho Man and some of those other guys would shave down. Paul Roma, some of those guys, but um, you know, they were more bodybuilder type guys, warrior. Shave their like rectum. That. You know, they'd use the oil. And- Dude, let's not underestimate. What you look like, yeah. you know, when you were younger, <laughs> also dude, okay. Man. You were pretty dude. much a bodybuilder too. You were a big dude. Uh, not that okay. you're not a big dude I mean, now. now but you know I'm what I'm old, saying. and you know, I'm 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 over the hill, and I'm. You're not over yeah. the hill. But are we all in agreement that we're not into girls that have a bushel of hair under their arm? Uh, I've never been into hairy women, to be honest with you. No. Do I have a choice if there's a line, chicks with? No hair under their arms or chicks with hair. Well, Can I go let's, to, let's, is it okay if I so go we don't to the hang chicks on with no hair? Too much, but Am I a say, bad guy if I go to the line with the really chicks with hot no hair? Girl, really hot up? girl yeah. with hair under arms and hairy or, arms. And oh, now legs. you're going to make it interesting. But good-looking girl, okay. no hair under arms. Which way are you going? I thought you were going to give me like, you know, 7,000 green teeth and no, like, no, you know, no. verse. you got to kind of have we got to talk apples and apples here. Well, if it's apples and apples, I'm going to go with the hair-free mode yeah so we're in agreement half free it is yeah yeah monty defaro wants to thank the it's band weird. that sings weird. the theme song yeah. aqua cherry yeah. uh our theme song straight to the top also yeah. catch our other yeah. songs yes yes forever and seasons aqua cherry music can be found on spotify itunes reverb nation and where music is sold and also at the beginning of the show was the video premiere of jimmy farrow's band the star of the show, Wisteria Hall, and his partner, Bart Griggs, wow. still the man. Actually, it's riding a good high, rock and roll tune the there. <laughs> that was a good rock and roll tune. I was too. shocked when I saw Jimmy on there. I was like, whoa, what happened? I thought <laughs> he was like, you know, Millie Vanilli at first. But <laughs> I, <laughs> you thought you were Millie Vanilli? What? <laughs> well, I didn't know. You know, I thought it was you something. Thought that, you I, know, oh, you thought he was Millie vanilli it. I thought you were, you know, maybe lip syncing. I, I didn't really hear it out loud, but... This guy is not just a great wrestling talent. He is a great musician. What is going on here? I, I didn't know Millie that. Vanilli though, get that it. I was Did shocked. You hear that pleasantly surprised. It was and a pleasant I gotta, surprise. You know, Sonny, I'm going to send you, hey. I'm going to email you links to their first album. Okay. okay. In My Dreams. Right. Thank you. This Life, Thank which you. I guarantee, Sonny, you will love that song. Not Far Behind. Here Comes the Rain. And wow. you can catch on. I'm going to send you that link. I mean, I'm a rock and roll guy, and I got you know friends in 38 Special, Blue Oyster sure. Cold. Oh, I used nice. to know Molly Hatchet, you know Skinner guys, Fog nice. Hat. So a lot of guys, you know, in rock and roll business, I know and are friends with. So let's get Eric Bloom down here one night with you. Eric How's Bloom loves wrestling. Hmm. Let's get him down here. There's a couple guys that live out here. Uh, Jules Randall. He's the, sure. the drummer for sure. Blue Oyster Cold. He lives out, baby. Uh, out here on Long Island. And, mm-hmm. uh, Danny Miranda, he's their bass player, mm-hmm. and they're just finishing up a new album. So nice. I'm sure Eric and those guys would love to come down oh, and be boy, in studio. I, would love that, dude. I know you. I, are. I could probably I make that happen that. for you. I would love that. You're the man, Sonny. Catch, catch uh, Wisteria Hall on Spotify, iTunes, and Reverb Nation. Monty Nefaro can be seen on YouTube, the Monty Nefaro page, Facebook Live on the Monty Nefaro page, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Anchor. 
Twitch TV, RTF Sports Network every Thursday from 8 to 9 p.m. and every Monday from 10 a.m. to 11. Ooh. Channel 15 every Tuesday, 8.30 to 9 p.m. Ooh. Early risers on Saturday, 6 a.m. to 6.30. And then on Channel 20, catch us on f- Saturday nights. No, Saturday mornings, 1.30 in the morning. So we're all over the place. But... Uh, on the other line is your tag team partner, Steve Ray, but we're going to go to a quick commercial break, and we're going to get back to Wet and Wild Reunion. Woo! We shall return. And APB, American Protection Bureau, voted number one best on Long Island for all your security needs. Call 631-390-9050. That's 631-390-9050. APB. Jimmy, I just got the best hookup on tickets. Hmm, fill me in. I went to www.seatslinks.com and ordered the best tickets with the best prices. Call 718-676-0504. Seatslink, the complete ticket experience. Tell them Charles sent you. In the mood for a freshly roasted cup of coffee? www.offtherailscoffeeroasters.com All right, welcome back to Long Island's number one pro wrestling broadcast, Monty and the Pharaohs, seen every Thursday, produced out of Indie Music TV and Ron Kakama. All right, let's welcome our special guest, Wet and Wild, Mr. Sonny Beach, who's on the couch, and Steve Ray, who is on the video channel. Steve, wow, you there? Are you there? I hear him. There. There we go. There. What is that? <laughs> you know what that is. Welcome to the best of the Monty and the Pharaoh variety show, the number one show on Long Island right now in the New York. Speak to us, Stevie. What do you got there? I thought I heard Curly in the room. Is this true? Stevie, you're looking good, brother. You look good. There he is. First of all, let's start the show by, by number one, thanking the man above that this is even possible. So thank you, Father. You get all the glory for this beautiful moment. Outside of that, I'd like to compliment you guys for uh, a show that uh, over and beyond, uh, you guys are doing some really cool stuff. I like it. Well, did you you hear our conversation about women with hair under their arms? That's a great conversation. (laughs) Now, you you, you know that a a big (laughs) chunk of me is German, right? So... Uh, that German side of me, it obviously knows that that's kind of a cool thing, you know. But I don't really understand it. Uh, the reason why we've got all of this uh, gender dysphoria and everything going on to confuse people, to, to keep us all separated and divided for one purpose, for one purpose only. That's the new world order, people. That's what it is. Get used to it. Either you fight it or you become part of it. Well, if we're talking New World Order, um, look, we were hoping to get you guys for the big event in New York coming up, but they haven't canceled the event yet, but we're assuming they're going to cancel it. They canceled everything else in the world. I don't know why they haven't canceled it. I actually think that it's 
kind of unprofessional they're hanging around trying to keep this thing going. Um, I'm going to turn this over to the star of the show, Jimmy Farrow. He's going to hit you with the juice, and then we're going to start engaging in some wrestling conversation and whatever else hits us. All righty, folks. Get ready for a big, tall glass of the juice. Our guest this week, we are featuring Sunny Beach, the surfer boy gimmick, complete with a neon green wetsuit and surfboard. <laughs> Alan wrestled Bob Orton, as we know. Near the end of the bout, Orton's manager, Coach John Tolos, began attacking Alan while the referee was distracted and saw Stevie Ray and came to Alan's rescue. Cactus Jack followed Ray into the ring moments after, resulting in a four-way brawl. Of course, this led to a uh, legendary UWF feud. And uh, by the way, for you folks out there, uh, you know who won that feud, don't you? The guy sitting on the couch and the guy on the phone. That's who won that feud. That's right. <laughs> yes, there's so much for Bob Orton and uh, the great Cactus Jack. So much. Uh, of course, they were dubbed wet and wild by the legendary Captain Lou Albano during an interview on Captain's Corner. Captain's Corner? Captain Lou's yeah. Corner. Yeah. Uh, ladies and gentlemen... These are two of the most important, integral parts of the great Herb Abrams UWF. Ladies and gentlemen, Sonny Beach and Stevie Ray. Yeah, baby. Wow, I never had an introduction like that before. Thank you. I'm really excited, man. I've been looking forward to this for a long, long time. So can either one of you start discussing between yourselves or tell the fans out there, how does Wet and Wild, we understand that Captain Lou kind of names you guys, but how does it become the team well they were looking for tag teams uh you know with uwf they had the power twins the killer bees um nice. my, well they were looking for a baby face tag team and they wanted to put me and steve together they thought we could draw some money and uh we looked good together we gelled together and um you know people thought it would take off and it did um they had steve dr death williams and terry gordy they were tagging a little bit we wrestled them a couple of times in the uwf me and steve um so we had, you know, some great matches. Uh, Warlord, Barbarian, uh, they were coming around a little bit uh, after they left WWF. So we, we, we wrestled some of the biggest names in the business, you know, in the tag league. Bob Orton and Cactus, uh, Blackjack Brawl. I mean, Beach Brawl, excuse me. And uh, we had great matches. So, I mean, they wanted us to be a tag team, and they thought they could do some good business with us. So that's why we were chosen i guess stevie how'd you feel about being hooked up with sonny as a tag team partner you know um interesting enough i, I can honestly say that you'll never ever hear me say one negative thing ever in my lifetime about my tag team partner um i'm very happy we're we're not just jailing but we we're extremely loyal to each other even even when there's been that disconnect um, when I chose to be a father and get, uh, I got out of wrestling um, for a, a period of time, um, I needed, you know, that focus on my family. Uh, and, you know, having that itch uh, would be, you know, right there if I, you know, kept that, that, that flame going. So Sonny was really the most incredibly best uh, support system for me on that uh, ever. And he knew. So the moment that I decided to come back out, you know, talk to the fans, I was just freaking amazed on how many people even knew us. I mean, it's just the, the wrestling fans. They, if you, um, if you serve them like they serve you, you are always going to be wanted and liked. But it's really important that people understand that, especially wrestlers. You know, coming into the business right now, uh, you know, 
love your fans, man. Serve them and serve them well. Understand that you've got a purpose, but that purpose starts with them. You might have self-expression. That's awesome. I love that about this business. But the most important thing, don't sell yourself. Don't sell yourself because they'll know that you have. Sonny, did you, you know guys the fans have to are the most important on. thing we have? You know that that back us up. They're the ones that pay to see us. They're the ones that buy our merchandise. They're the ones that support us the most. And mm -hmm. you got to give back. And I'm a firm believer in always giving back. How was the chemistry naturally between it you? It was two? good. We we gelled. Everything worked out pretty good. Um, I wish Steve lived a little closer, where we could have you know spent more time in the ring and you know getting some more ring time together and practicing our moves and coming mm -hmm. up with some better you know finishes and stuff like that but it just didn't work out you know they would just throw us into the matches and what when steve would fly in from kansas city uh he had his gym and the supplement business he was running power shack international so he didn't have a lot of time to come in and i was working a day job and you know until i was you know working full-time with uwf or whatever promotion i was with but you know you still had to pay your bills and feed your family and steve's 100 percent right he got out of the business to start a family and to support his family and i got out of the business to support my family and do better in life because you don't have a long run in wrestling unless you're mm. one of the top guys. Mm. Now, yeah. when you got I, hooked I up... I will say one thing I mean, from, my, from my behalf is that, you know, I was a young, impressionable, um, you know, talent that I, I felt, you know, when I came into the UWF, I'm literally around all these WrestleMania 3 superstars. Okay? These are giants. These are truly the giants of professional wrestling. Now, you know, I'll give it to The Rock, and I'll definitely give it to Randy, uh, for, for sure. Uh, and there's, there's more out there, but listen, that right there, that was the persona of professional wrestling. And here's this, this, this kid, you know, from a small town of uh, a class of 88, I think, um, that uh, is fresh and new, and I have to I have, to have confidence to be able to feel as if I even some of these guys and that was a hard thing to take but I didn't make it you know um, I, I just dug deep and I made it real so that's uh, with Sonny what Sonny did for me is Sonny was like my rock he kept me um, it was like a, a gravitational pull with Sonny you know I, I, I always felt like he kept me balanced so that's the best thing I can tell you about my Sonny, how helpful was it having the, your experience with the WWE by the time you got to Herb Abrams? Obviously, Stevie is saying what a help you were. Well, well, Steve, you know, he makes a lot of sense because when I first started WWF, I was in Starstruck, too. Sure. Because I worked some of the territories, you know, Florida mm -hmm. Championship, Dusty, Barry Windham, you know, Ric Flair, Kevin Sullivan, all those guys in there, the Briscoe Brothers, mm -hmm. uh, B. Brian Blair. There was just so much talent down there. And I, I grew up watching them, you know, from fifth or sixth grade i knew i wanted to be a pro wrestler or a policeman mm. so i pretty much had in my mindset this is what i want to do for a career mm. so i studied that and then when i got to the wwf hogan like no holds barred i'm, I'm there with stan hansen uh, philman you know terry and all the guys and then my first tv andre the giant macho man <laughs> you know 
the list goes on and on. There were so many guys like Don Morocco, Roddy Piper, Ken Patera, Tito Santana, Greg Valentine. You just name any type of superstar that you grew up watching for the last 15, 20 years on TV. And here's a young kid, 23, 24 years old like I was. I, I was the same way. You know, like when he Steve came into the UWF, when I went to the WWF, first couple of TV tapings, you know, you got 60 of the world's best wrestlers in the same locker room, you're sharing a locker room with you, and you're driving down the roads with them, sharing hotels. You know, they welcomed me, and they took care of me. Like, I took care of Steve, you know, when he came in. I gave him some pointers, and, you know, I said, hey, maybe we should do it this way. And I wouldn't tell him what to do. You know, uh, you got to be creative. And you you don't want to kill somebody's gimmick or whatever they, they're, they're all about. You, you've mentioned you were both young at the time. Any reservations when you're approached with the idea of becoming a tag team? Stevie Ray, what say you? You know, uh, were any reservations? Did you want to be a single star? Were you like, okay, a tag team? Any reservations from either of you early on in your career? Well, on my behalf. Um, you know, when the uh, moment uh, came around, it, it really was a no-brainer. I mean, it, it was a, it was definitely a perfect fit. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the um, I, I've I've wrestled in other tag teams before, but they they didn't have the balance that this one definitely had. We we actually we hit a demographic, mm. and that demographic exactly what and who we were all about. We were about the women. We were about having a good time, and we were about kicking some ass. And so, you know, you know, it was a, a little more than, you know, leisure. It was some tough work and, and hard, uh, uh, hard training to get through. But, you know, Sonny and I, we were just, just hitting that prime of, you know, of jailing uh, in, in a way where, uh, well, what am I saying? You know, we had other, we had other networks other uh, wrestling promotions that picked up uh, on our stuff. And, you know, when I look at the, the shows that, and the tapings that they did of us, we looked good. I really thought, you know, on the tapings that I've seen, they've all been really, you know, like spectacular. They had great color, uh, great charisma. Um, you know, our matches just, we started to, we started to get more, um, uh, machismo, I guess, if you want to talk about it. Like, you know, the magazines, um, other promoters were, were calling up looking for us all the time. Global Championship Wrestling down in Texas with Joe Pedicino. Mm-hmm. They wanted us to come down. I had a personal relationship with Joe, and, and they called me up, and he goes, hey, I'd like to bring you and Steve Ray in, you know, for our tag team tournament down there. So Herb Abrams told them after we got down there that we were under contract with him, which we weren't. Mm. So they kind of put a squash on us, and they were going to give us a nice little push in Global. Yeah. But after Herb called and he threatened him with legal action, you know, they didn't want any part of that. Now, you were more seasoned vet where Steve was more green, right? Yeah, I had a few more years uh, in the business. So how did that work out? Was that a hard balance for you and Steve at all? Not at all. I mean, we, you know, I I treated Steve the way I'd treat anybody else, you know, a seasoned vet or not. And, you know, we... We had a few differences once in a while about, you know, who was going to start in a match or who what, what we were going to do and stuff. But, you know, we worked things out, and everything worked out for the best. We used to work against the Power Twins a lot. We had great matches with them. Um, the Blackhearts down at Universal Studios, Dave Heath and Tom Nash, uh, managed by Luna. Um, we, we had really good, you know, chemistry, I think, and we could have done a lot more things. And I was just hoping that Herb would have, 
been a better promoter, had more money to really finance the UWF like he should have, and maybe he shouldn't have partied like he did and all that stuff. But, you know, we'll never know. Well, uh, Steve, here's a question for you. You're working with Sonny, more seasoned vet. Was there any time you would get jealous or that kind of situation? No, honestly, not not at all. I I would probably say one of the things that um, may have even gotten me is um, maybe a a little overconfident. I I just I I couldn't let uh, any insecurities or any uh, any of that ever affect the character and who I was as as a performer because that that would actually even get somebody hurt too. I didn't want my ego to be. Uh, part of my my thinking so no not at all i one of the things that a lot of my fans or a lot of the fans of wet and wild don't even know is that um i wrestled in kansas city under all-star wrestling um uh, i think it started in 86 or 87 and my first 88 matches i went undefeated and then my tag team partner at that time bulldog bob brown he turned heel on um, that was uh, that was the change of my of my my longest run, I guess, of being undefeated. Let's get to the big question. Uh, I guess we'll go with you first, Sonny, because you you knew her, but you know you worked with him in the office and everything. Right. Can you both tell us your first time meeting the legendary Herb Abrams? Well, I, I met Herb at the Weekend of Champions with John Arizzi when he was putting a, one of those autograph shows, a big convention over at the Guardia Hotel. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was the first time I guess he came to New York and George Amatropolis, she was in charge of the wrestling chatterbox. She had her own newsletter and all that stuff. And back then we didn't have a lot of social media. There was no Facebook. There was no you know, all these other right. internet forms of wrestling and all that stuff For before sure. the fans could get on there and stuff. So you had like Dave Meltzer's little sheet. Yeah, George Amatropolis, you know, the wrestling chatterbox. Has that pain in the ass always been around, Meltzer, by the way? He's been around a long time. The as Come long on. as I can remember. Yeah. As long as I've been in the business, he's yeah. been Captain around. Captain Kovech. Yeah, go on. Yeah, he's yeah. been around. Kovech. Okay. Yeah, that's all he does. But um, that's the first time I met <laughs> Herb with John Arizzi, and Georgianne introduced me to him. Bruno San Martino introduced me to Herb, mm-hmm. and they told him good things about me, and he said he wanted to use me with the UWF. And at first, he just wanted me to work singles, and I didn't mind working singles, but when he came to us and said they wanted to do the tag team with Steve, and I liked Steve, and mm-hmm. I, I thought it was a great idea, and whatever was best for business, and they were going to give us a big push. He clearly thought very so. highly of both of you. Stevie, how about you the first time you met the legendary Herb Abrams. I it was literally magical. Okay, I I, I toured with uh, uh, the most awesome, incredible person, human being that uh, you'll ever meet. That's B. B. Brian Blair. Okay. And so, B. Brian Blair, uh, we were wrestling in Vegas at the time, and he said, "Hey, um, don't tell anybody, but we're going to go to uh, we're going to go to Beverly Hills tonight." I said, okay, I'm game. And uh, so he said, I got a big surprise for you. So we drove there. Um, you know, I, I'm not asking any questions. I just enjoying the ride. And, uh, you know, pull up to Herb's house. And, you know, here comes this ball of energy. <laughs> and uh, I just got this big smile on my face. <laughs> and uh, he goes, uh, he goes, who is this guy? And, you know, he, that's the introduction, and 
he just uh, he just kept on saying, "I like him, I like him," and I'm going, "Okay, cool. <laughs> I can I get a job?" And uh, so anyway, yeah, they brought me. <laughs> it, was, uh, it was you know that at my age at that time was is was what I needed. It was that was the confidence I rode on. It was this guy believes in me. So I don't want to, um, you know, I don't want to let him down. I want to, you know, be the performer that he wants me to be. And and then it went from him to the band, and then you know, honey, and it, you don't want to let the people down who count. So that was an important thing. That's what drove me as well. Steve, you were very flamboyant. Did you develop the flamboyancy even more with Herb? You're saying he gave you confidence. Obviously, is this where you shot into the stratosphere as far as your inner confidence as a performer? Well, okay, listen. I'm not kidding you when I'm telling you this. I, I was literally born with this, and I'll give you an example of why. <laughs> Modest, too. Go on. At the age of two, my mom had left out her perfect and I took them all. I just popped them and put them on my mouth and swallowed them. So I got rushed to the emergency room. Oy. They go to my stomach and knock me out. So they give me as much medicine as they would give a full grown adult. They said, we just can't put them to so my mom said, just take your fingernails and rub it right there. Or, or gently touch it right by his forearm. It'll go right out. That's what I did. <laughs> so the moment I woke up, the very first thing I asked for was a, a, a brush and a comb. Or a comb and a mirror. A comb and a mirror at, at two years old. So uh, <laughs> it, went, it went from that to we were out in the military prep, uh, being in the bowling, bowling alley at uh, four years old. And I'm going around flirting with the chicks, asking if they'd buy me a hanky bar. And I see the girls buy me a hanky bar. I'm not kidding you. That's, so I don't, you know, why, how it all happened. It just seemed like, a, you know, a gift that I just kept running with all my life. So uh, it ain't a curse. It's a gift and a curse. I will say that. Um, but this is a funny story. So you, you want to talk about uh, confidence, you'll really enjoy this. So, my first big, you know, hurrah in uh, Kansas City Memorial Hall TV. Um, I, my whole, the whole town of Leavenworth in Lansing comes to the match. It's practically sold out. And my first match is with Dr. Uh, David Schultz. Mm. And nobody's telling me nothing. I don't know anything. Who's nothing. I don't know anything other than I'm wrestling this guy. Not somebody's here comes out for asking yep. wrestling.
was uh, it, it, it was something that has been with me since the very beginning. I don't regret it. Um, to be quite honest with you, I have outside of professional wrestling, I've been just the opposite. I've been much. Uh, I've been almost too humble uh, in a way where I'm always wanting to, uh, uh, you know, do good through my relationship. I, I'm just. I'm nothing like the character Wild Thing, hmm. um, or like you know the person who wants to succeed in a relationship and and, uh, and be successful, you know, having a family. And so it's a whole different, you know. I don't take that character with me as as the person who I am. So it's, you know, it's a separation thing. Um, you know, if you if you get to talk to Ric Flair and, and understand him. A lot of similarities between him and, and who he really is uh, as a person. Mm-hmm. However, there's also uh, they're all beautiful things. You know, he's a very incredible man. And what you see, uh, so you know, all you know, go out to Mr. Flair. And I really love what Rick Flair said to uh, Randy once. I thought that was uh, a class act thing. Too. Um, was, uh, uh, I like seeing things like that. I like seeing. Um, Wrestlers are uh, giving back to the business, making uh, the rights more bigger for all the other entertainers that are wanting to get into. So that was uh, that was an awesome thing. All right, Steve, we're gonna ask you to hold on. We're gonna go to take a quick commercial break. We shall return. That's right, folks. Canine Corral. For all your dog daycare and overnight care, call 631-549-1544. That's 631-549-1544. You need a body shop? You need engine repair? Auto Excellence. Collision Specialists. 631-261-6420. That's 631-261-6420. Auto Excellence. Jimmy, I gotta take a dump. What? No, I mean I need a dumpster. (sighs) Well, for all those needs, you need to call Big V Dumpster Rental. Long Island, New York, 631-900-DUMP. We gotta shoot a commercial. Welcome back to Long Island's number one pro wrestler broadcast, Monty DeFaro, seen only here at Indie Music TV, producer Rock Ockham in New York. Sonny was just saying he needs some good fucking water. I said, in fact, we gotta we gotta shoot a commercial for that. We gotta do that. I'll shoot that one. So we were talking about Dark Side of the Ring, guys. Uh, in studio is Mr. Sonny Beach, one half of Wet Wild, and on the. V-Mix is none other than Stevie Ray. Guys, thank you for joining Long Island's number one pro wrestling broadcast. Stevie, I just learned something. What? So, in watching Dark Side of the Ring, you're sitting there, you're talking about the UWF, and the, the one thing I was consistently thinking about is, boy, does Stevie Ray love that white poodle. So I thought it was your white poodle, but I just found out that what? that was Sonny's dog. What's the deal? <laughs> My little Emma. Really? That's uh, that was my 
my entertainment for the night. They said that's how Sonny hooked me up. Oh. And uh, it's the dog with the, the long toenails. Uh, the <laughs> with the long and toenails? I, what? Yeah, the producer, he was very, um, you know, about the sounds and you know, everything that, that could affect the show. So if the dog went to go, you know, potty or get, get a drink, he was like, ah, hold it, stop. So I said, okay, let, me just, let me hold him. Because uh, he had a little itchy guy. He'd have to walk around a lot that time. So it, it turned out to be a good thing, actually. Yeah, the dog was running around, and the producer, Evan, he was kind of like, you but know, we, we got to keep it down. And then just, if I would have locked the dog in a room, she would have started barking or howling, and it would have so been just, worse. So Steve picked her up and calmed her right down. And We just ruined you know, Kayfabe. Steve's got, you story. know, a special way with animals and young children. <laughs> That's yeah. Not, okay. <laughs> oh my god. Wow. <laughs> I don't even know how to answer that one. <laughs> what is, <laughs> he scratches their bellies and they go right to sleep. What, what, what is that what is that movie with uh what? the doctor with the that scratches bellies and people go to sleep? Oh the dog whisper? No man, the uh <laughs> Doctor Doolittle? No. <laughs> Doctor Doolittle <laughs> small guy with the bald head and uh, oh what Austin Austin, Austin Powers, Powers Austin Powers yeah, so it's it's like Austin Powers like the, the bad yeah. guy Austin Powers petting the dog and exactly. is that Dr. Evil yeah Dr. Evil Dr. Evil we're gonna call Steve Dr. Evil Steve's Dr. Evil Steve is Dr. you killed yeah. Kayfabe I thought it was his dog anyway Mike next question you're on brother oh I'm on I thought you wanted to ask them how they were both approached for the second season of Dark Side of the Ring no no? You don't want to ask them? That's like, easy. We just went into the dog conversation. Oh, so it's more important about the fucking dog. Yes. You're weird, bro. Anyway. My dog and I appreciate this. <laughs> let, me, let me ask both of you about, you know, one of the things I took out of Dark Side, especially um, there's there's two things that really struck me very emotionally, because uh, my partner knows uh, I'm a pretty emotional guy myself. No. The, yeah. Yeah, really. Well, I, can that terrible? That. I can see that. I can see that. Probably make a lousy security right. guard. Anyway. Uh, there's the... <laughs> I've always been that way. I've always been that way since the age of two, Stevie. We could talk about that later. Anyway, um, there's two major scenes that really got me. Uh, one, of course, is the graveyard scene with Sonny. That that gets me every time. But also uh, the scene where Stevie is basically in tears talking about Herb. Uh, can I ask you both? Uh, whoever wants to go first, uh, go for it. We'll flip a coin. Uh, Let Steve go first. Okay, Steve. How emotional. Do you get when you feel about Herb, and, and can you describe the feelings that you feel about Herb in general, besides what we saw on Dark Side, because that was very moving. Your thoughts on Herb? Yeah, you, to be quite honest with you, um, that was truly the very first time that I, I cried. The, all the other times, you know, it was, oh, oh shit. What happened? The dog got in the room? <laughs> you right there, Steve? Steve, you all right? All right, well, no dead Somebody hit him with a flying Steve. headlock. Maybe What's going got, on? Maybe something happened. Sonny, what you do? How about you, right Sonny? here. How about you in the graveyard? Like, you were pretty emotional. That is a pretty... Well, the graveyard scene. scene, I was there for the burial. I, I was there with his mother mm. and his family and everything. So, I, you know, that was... Uh, 
you know, pretty emotional for me because I, I went back and relived it. You know, I was there. I threw dirt on his grave. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, I was at the services. I sat Sheva mm-hmm. with him. Herb's Jewish. Sure. You didn't know that already. Yep. But um, I went back to his family's home and we ate and sat Shiva and everything. And um, last week I went out with his uh, first cousin, Steve Simon. I still keep in touch with him. So, I mean, I still have a pretty good, you know, relationship with Abram's family. Um, it, it just, you know, hits home because he was very nice to me and my family. Did he bounce some checks to me? Yeah. Did he make good for him? Yeah. But, you know, a lot of people hold that against him, you know. He was, you know, doing his thing. He was trying to make a promotion, I guess, the best it could be with, with limited resources. Plus, his party and didn't help the promotion, and he didn't have a booker, and he didn't have really the backing in the back office to really make it work but he i give him credit for trying and you know going back to the cemetery and reliving you know somebody you were close with getting buried um you know it's not it's not easy you know did you uh you and steve party with abe at all did we party with her with, with her, her. Did we I, I never party with her, but I mean, I, I might have had a couple of drinks with him, you know, a couple of beers here and there. I wasn't a big partier. Steve might have partied more than me, but you'll have to ask Steve. Um, I, I was a family man. I still am a family man, so I really didn't, you know, hang out after the shows and go party. And, you know, I always went back to the hotel room or maybe so I go get some So the boys that used to go party with Herb? Were some of the boys? Yeah. Did he have anybody he would regularly go party with, or was he more just about the girls and doing his uh, own thing? He pretty much partied on his own, to be right. honest with you. You know, he would do it in a you know privacy of his own hotel, mm-hmm. or there was a few boys that would you know party with him and stuff. Mm-hmm. Maybe Colonel Red was maybe one of them that he hooked him up that time when he went out to California. Okay. Um, maybe you know some of the other guys that were you know single or something maybe hung out and partied with him. But Herb was very generous. He had a great sense of humor. He was fun to be around. He was like the, you know, people wanted to be around with Herb. And when Herb died and I called a lot of the guys up, they were all breaking down and crying to me, and I was crying to them. And, you know, it's not a bad thing for a grown man to cry, especially, you know, if you cared about somebody. And, you know, I felt bad for him. And when I called Lenny Duga up, I cried. And, you know, and when I was at his wake, in, uh, in his funeral services, me and my wife, we both cried. So, mm-hmm. you know, you wouldn't be a human being if you didn't have feelings for people. Sure. I feel that it's been a fantastic thing that they made the Dark Side episode featuring him because so many people deserve to hear the story of the UWF. However, you being on the inside during those days, what's your feeling on the accuracy of the documentary itself? I think it could have gone longer. Um, I think Steve Simon should have been interviewed and maybe some of Herb's family. They were interviewed, but they they weren't put onto the tape. It didn't make the cut. Mm-hmm. So I don't know what happened. Maybe they could show some extra footage coming up or some extra scenes. Were you overall uh, pleased with the final presentation? I, was, I, thought it was fantastic. I don't think they buried him. Um, okay. You know, they made fun of him, you know, about his partying and Colonel Red and, you know, um, Brian Blair's got probably the best one-line oh. saying, you know, it's like, yeah. you know, Herb went out, you know, doing the two things he did best, you know, <laughs> hookers and cocaine, yeah. you know, so, um, you know, if that's what he wanted to do, who am I to judge? Who are right. we to judge anybody? Right. You know, and now look at all this coronavirus and people losing their jobs, people not opening up in New York City. A lot of people are, are suffering right now, and people are telling me, oh, wait till after the election, things will get better. Some people can't wait. You know, people, there's 
homeless people right now. There's people starving in the streets. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah. it's terrible what's going on in the country today. You think? Do you think the country could recover? I don't know how long it could recover. We're American. We're strong and we're resilient. And this is the greatest country in the world. So I think we can recover, but it's got to start from the top and work its way down. You got to find a vaccine. You got to have good leadership, and you got to help people. So I don't want to get too political, right? Again, but, um, do you think that this whole situation was mishandled, or do you think it was handled the best way possible? I think it's handled. I, I I don't know. I mean, I think it could have been handled a little bit better, but I think that they're doing the best they can with what they know how to work with because people are afraid. I had coronavirus, so I right. know how bad it was. Um, you were not I, I still don't want to go out. I, I still wear a mask. I still social distance. Mm -hmm. um, my family, the same thing. I don't have parties at my house this summer. I mean, mm -hmm. I've spent more time at home and, and, and swimming in my swimming pool by myself, having cookouts with just me and my immediate family, and, and maybe one or two close friends or another couple. But we sit six feet apart, and we try to do the right thing. But you made me stay by the mailbox. That was terrible. Yeah, don't right. do that again. That was I bought mean. you guys some masks tonight. Yeah, too. you did. I can't wait to wear them. Yeah, you guys the mailbox. like them. Got a hot dog too. <laughs> but so if I anyone think, doesn't think, realize, um, Stevie accidentally something must have happened with his computer. Yeah. He just texted me. He's trying to get back okay, on. Okay, fair so enough. So Sonny, you're going to carry the load, my friend. <laughs> Not a problem. Just ask all the questions. You, you, uh, you, you're always good at carrying the load. So, um, what you got? What you got? What you Kamala got for me? Oh. just passed away. Yeah. You work with Kamala at all? James I did work Harris. with Kamala. When I used to promote some shows, me and Paul Orndorff worked a big show in Staten Island at Jewish Community Center. And I booked it, and I promoted it and everything. And um, we were the main event that night. I brought in Kamala, and I brought in Kamala too, Ben Peacock mm -hmm. and James Harris. And then I brought in the Haiti Kid, as the their midget manager, Sky Low Low, you know, like yeah, the nice. little, um, <laughs> what would you call him? I think we called him uh, Too Low, you know, or something. <laughs> and uh, it was in a couple of wrestling magazines, and it was filmed for Staten Island um, cable TV over there. And they're still showing the matches. When the first match that I promoted there with me and Cactus Jack over there, mm. and uh, John Rizzi was the ring announcer, and Frankie Longo, and we had some really really good matches over there at Staten Island Jewish Community Center. How I was Kamala the first one to bring in Sabu to New York. Sabu wrestled my first card over there. How was Kamala as a person, uh, James? He Harris? was a great guy. James was a great guy. I wrestled with him a little bit in WWF. Uh, he didn't wrestle too much with us in UWF, but when I did some single shows and when Tommy D did some shows with Universal Wrestling Superstars, he would bring in Kamala. I wrestled him a couple of times with Tommy D. So, I mean, we had good matches. He was just a great guy, good old country boy, Mississippi. So in the WWF back then, was Kamala, was he there when you were there? He was there in and out a few times. Like I was there from like 88 to like 91, 92, you know. And he came in a couple of times and stuff for another run. Well, let, we don't have to speak about Kamala. Let's just talk about Hogan, right? You've mentioned a few times that as a wrestler... You always wanted to be on Hogan's card, right? Because that's where the money came. Oh from. yeah! Whenever you were the top guy and the main draw and stuff, and your your purses were based on you know the revenue from the house shows. So if you had a good house show, a sold out show like Madison Square Garden, you would make a, a good payday. And especially an up and coming guy like me, you know, a, a 
I guess what they call enhancement talent or, mm-hmm. you know, a up and coming guy. Um, I, some weeks with WWF, I make five, six thousand dollars. So I'm going to bounce this at you then. So we've had, you know, where we stand with the WWE, right? right. We stand with Vince, and, you know, to me, Vince, by the way, Vince McMahon, happy birthday. Wow. 74 70, years, yeah. a couple of years ago. Happy birthday, Vince. Happy I have birthday, a, Vince a huge McMahon. admiration for Vince McMahon, always have. Um, I understand how he runs his business. A lot of people don't necessarily agree. Thinks they they think that he takes advantage of the wrestlers. I know you pretty well now. We've spoke, you know, right. on personal life and and wrestling life. But I guess my point to you is, a couple of weeks ago we did a tribute to Kamala. Lanny Poffo was on, and Lanny was pretty much saying, "Hey, didn't matter how much money Kamala made, he was going to burn through it anyway, or James right. Harris was going to burn through it." My to get to the point. Hogan's the guy. Right. Did you hear any guys that wrestled against Hogan in the main event bitch and moan about their payoff for the match? A, a lot of guys, you know, they're like wash women. They bitch and moan, and they don't care how good they got it. A lot of guys had it better than most guys. I mean, they were the ones that would bitch and moan the most, you know. Like like Lanny Poffo said, it didn't matter how much money somebody made, they're always going to bitch about it. Um, some guys saved their money. Some guys squandered their money. Some guys got divorced. Some guys partied it all the way. I mean, you got to save for a rainy day. And some of these guys didn't. And a lot of these guys, you know, Vince gives you an opportunity to make money. If you're making money for him and drawing money for him, he's going to keep you around. If you're not drawing, you're not going to be there for long. So it's your choice. And if you get a good push and if they like you and if the fans get behind you, you know, look at The Rock. Look at John Cena. Look at Triple H. Look at Undertaker, Mick Foley. Fans got behind all these guys. Ric Flair, Sting, and this goes on and on. Road Warriors. There's only a handful of guys. I could count on both hands guys that are successful that made a lot of money in this business. That's it. The rest of them, some of them did okay. Some of them did very good. If you saved your money, if you didn't go out and party and burn it out, you're not staying at the the $500 Marriott Marquis every night, and you're staying at a Motel 8 where you're paying, instead of 500 bucks a night, you're paying 50 bucks. Mm-hmm. You're saving your money, and you're having a roommate. Maybe you got a guy like Barry Horowitz or somebody you know you split a room with, and, and you travel on the road and you split your rent-a-cars with. So you're, you're splitting expenses. You're saving money. Is it an extremely – all right. So you got to work in life. Everybody has to work in life. Right. Some of us have it really good. Some of us don't have it so good. But you got to work to survive. Um, is professional wrestling that hard of a profession? It is hard. Because when I first started out, nobody taught me how to save money. Nobody taught me, you know, save for a rainy day. Nobody taught me the politics of the business. You had to learn that on your own. You know, who was a kiss-ass, who was a stooge. How about your day-to-day stuff? So I get that, right? In life, there's politics. Right. You know, hopefully mommy and daddy taught us all how to put our money away, and if they didn't, or if we didn't listen... you got to play nice in the sandbox, you know? Right. But as a wrestler, right? Right. My theory, and put, put me in the wrong place, but my theory is, hey... You travel. Travels can wane down on you. I totally get it. Traveling will beat you down. 
yeah. that was half the battle. That that I could imagine. But the actual wrestling itself, I'm sure, is tough. But it's not a long night, right? It's like you get in there. It is a minutes, long night because it. by the time you travel, sometimes you have to drive from town to town. Sure. You're driving hundreds of miles sure. to get to the next destination. Mm-hmm. And then you get in the arena, maybe 5, 6 o'clock. You get something to eat before you go and wrestle, or you, you bring your food with you to the arena. Then you wait till bell time. Usually seven thirty, eight o'clock at night when the show starts. Vince and you have five well, or though. six matches, and you have your intermission, sell gimmicks, and then you go out there and you got maybe one or two main events for the night. So you have maybe seven or eight matches. That's what we used to have with the WWF. And then you're out of the arena by usually eleven o'clock. By the time you shower, go back to your hotel room, get something to eat. You know, maybe go to the bar, get a six-pack. Maybe you're traveling to the next town that night, checking into a hotel and then sleeping a few hours and doing it all again. Sometimes we would be on the road two weeks on, three days off, three weeks on, two days off. I mean, they were running us ragged, mm-hmm. you know, and you're, you're, you're wrestling. Hey, for by the way, you know what's funny? days a year, you might be wrestling over Until Stevie gets back on, we could just take our headphones off because I think we could hear each other. That sounds good to me. I don't like that echo. echo, echo <laughs> I just echo. like, I'm thinking, you know, until the producer says Stevie's back, we'll right. just take that. You know what I don't get, though? Can I get this out? Because this is what really, this is to me the bottom line. Pro wrestling, just like every other, and I consider it definitely athletic and a sport in my own mind. That's sure. just the way I feel about it, okay? So pro wrestling to me is should is no different. Okay, I'll use the, the 77 Yankees as an example. It seems like the indie marks are all freaking out because Hulk Hogan made all this money and Kamala only made this money. Well, last I checked, the 77 Yankees, Reggie Jackson was Hulk Hogan. Right. And Bucky Dent is Kamala. How is Bucky Dent going to get paid what Reggie's going to get paid? He's not worth what Reggie's worth. You know what I mean? So to me... It's the same thing. Patrick Ewing make more money than Anthony Mason, period. You so know, he, nobody, we, nobody puts a gun to your head when you go to Vince. Well, thank and, you for that, and, too. And, and, and tells you, okay, you're going to make this. You agree upon it. He's going to offer yeah. you something. You could either say yes or no. Right. Nobody puts a gun to your head and say, you got to take this. Made, Ali made more money than Frazier, I'm assuming, right? So I'm should sure Frazier be bitter? I mean, what, so, but, so how does it work, Sonny? Give me, give me the it. inside, right? You're a guy. You get signed by the WWE or... Everybody's, everybody's deal is different. Usually, you know, they offer you a contract where and it's exclusive where you got to, you know, wrestle for the WWF. You can't mm-hmm. wrestle any for other promotions. You can't make any appearances. You're tied in. You're locked in for X amount of years or, you know, whatever time frame So it let is. me cut you off there then. You're, you're basically saying you're working for this. So then how are you an independent contractor? That's what I've never understood that either. Mm-hmm. Um, you're not an independent contractor. You're a, a, li- you're a, a contracted athlete. Same like the Yankees when they sign you to a contract, you got to be there. You know, you got to work. But for you it. didn't have guaranteed money, right? They they said, hey, you could work. It for was us. a percentage of the house or the gate. You know, a lot of times you could work for us. You know, could they you be cut at any time and be and be out of luck? Yeah, they could cut you at any time. I got See, cut. That is you know, different. And That's they, different they from baseball. Back and, you know, so get away with that. In baseball. I, you know, I, I I've been in logistics a long time, so we used independent contractors. So it right. was you when you delivered our merchandise, you had to have our brand, right? And right. they had and they have to have specs and everything else and. We were willing to put those on your truck for a small cost, but it wasn't like decals that you could rip off. Exactly. So then if you went to deliver someone else's merchandise, you had to go through a whole rigmarole to, to do that. And then if you got caught delivering something that you were supposed to be delivering on our time, it right. became... So I kind of think the WWE falls into that same kind of window. Like, I'm sure the agreement, and tell me if I'm wrong, said, Hey, Sonny, you're working for us. You could certainly go work somewhere else, but then I can promise you that you probably won't get any work from us 
moving forward. So hundred percent. You know, there was nowhere else 100%. to go. Once Vince bought up all the territories and had that big TV out there, you know, Turner competed. For, you know, because he had the backing, he had the money, just like Vince, so he could c compete. You know, that was the only two really places out there. Vern Gagne went out of business. You know, AWA, the Von Erichs went out. Um, you know, Lawler and Memphis, Tennessee, you know, they all went out, you know, Mid-South. Um, he bought up all the territories, Florida Championship. Did you work Georgia with the Von Erichs at all? I never worked for the Von Erichs. I worked some cards with the Von Erichs and stuff. David Von Erich, when he was in Florida, I worked a couple of cards when he was there. Kerry Von Erich, when he was Texas Tornado, I worked with some of WWF. So I want to ask you about Kerry. So you were around when Kerry was in the WWF. Yeah, I was. Was he as messed up as... Kerry kept to himself. Kerry was, you know, kind of private. You know, he only hung out with a couple of guys. You know, they'd go to the gym, work out. Um, Kerry was in his own world, pretty much. You know, something I didn't know, and I'm going to throw some some knowledge on you guys. Did you know that Kerry Von Erich almost was the Dolph Lundgren part in Rocky? I didn't know that. that Never knew it was that. The final guy. You will lose. Dolph from Lundgren. Sorry. Uh, Nikita Koloff right. and Kerry Von Erich and Fritz no. didn't want Kerry to take the role because he thought it would ruin his wrestling career. Wow. Take the role, Kerry. Shooting. <laughs> no shooting. Look at all these wrestlers who have made it so big. Look at The Rock, John mm -hmm. Cena, all these wrestlers, Roddy Piper, they all, you know, transitioned from, you know, actors, wrestling to acting and even Hogan, you know, back and forth. You know, Randy Orton, a few other guys, you know, have been Miz. So there's a, a handful of guys that have, you know, tried to, you know, come out and do some of the TVs and stuff. And a handful of guys have done very well with it. Jesse Ventura, you know, with the Predator and stuff. But um, like I said, only a handful of guys really make the money. And nobody puts a gun to your head and say, okay, uh, you're only going to make 100000 this year, or you're only going to make 200000 or 500000 whatever the number is. Well, you did know? you say you were making like 5000 a week, you said, right? When I was on the Hogan shows and stuff. That's some serious cash. Yeah. And how then, long did that last for you? That's the, about a month or so, you know, a couple months, you know, when I was on the top cards, you know, wrestling Denver Coliseum or Denver Arena and, you know, the Rosemont Horizon, Chicago, or then you're going to Madison Square Garden or maybe down in the Sun Dome down in Tampa. Or, you know, you're on these big cards and you're selling out, you know, 15, 20, 30,000 people. You know, you're getting a good percentage of the gate then. You know, but if you're at a little high school somewhere, you know, Ronkakama High School in Long Island, and you get 1,200 people there, you know, you might get a $400, $500 payday. You know, and if you're on one of those shows, it's called the Milk Run. You know, you're doing the little house shows, civic, you know, civic centers, maybe a high school auditorium, maybe a college gym. A guy in a you know, yeah, stuff right. like that, maybe a fundraiser somewhere, you know. Um, you're making five, six hundred bucks, you know, and you take your draw, a couple hundred bucks a night to live off of, pay your hotel, pay your rent a car, pay your food bill. You know, by the time you got home, you got, you know, you make five hundred bucks that night and you spend two fifty on the day traveling, and then you got you pay taxes on the five hundred. It's like, you know, you're turning and burning your money. But then again, like you said, no one's putting a gun to your head, right? Exactly. If you didn't want to do it, somebody else is right behind you ready to take your ready spot. To take a shot. Believe me. So I was going to ask Steve about this, but since he's off the air, maybe you know something about it. Stevie uh, sued ESPN over using the uh, UWF video. Uh, I wish I would have known when he was doing that because I would have jumped on that lawsuit too. And really? I think everybody in the UWF would have done really? it because they had no rights to it. I don't know who granted them the rights. I know I spoke to Steve Simon many times and other people that are privy to the UWF, uh, Lenny Dug and myself. And uh, the person who 
sold the tapes to ESPN, and uh, he had no rights to them. What's the story with the library? I never signed any of my rights away. I own my trademark, my name's Sunny Beach and everything else, and I never uh, signed a contract uh, to have my rights or anything. So the the tapes are still with ESPN, Farrell. Are they? But it would cost a lot of money to get a lawyer. There was a three-judge panel that echoed the conclusion that um, that ESPN was okay. The only time they had to pay you guys is if they used you to promote (laughs) their videos. Bless you. That was bullshit. Well, that is bullshit because I don't know who got all that money from selling these tapes, and they're distributing tapes now, uh, selling DVDs and all the UWF stuff. People I saw on the Internet are trying to sell UWF T-shirts and everything else. You know, bootleg stuff. It's been going around for, you know, last 100 years, you know, bootleg liquor and, you know, shirts or, you know, fake Louis Vuitton bags or whatever it might be. You go down to Chinatown and you can buy, you know, whatever you want. Prada, Louis Vuitton, you know, Chanel, you know, for... Hundred bucks, you know, when you're paying at the store, four thousand. But um, how does Herb's family feel about this? They're not happy about it, but you know, Herb's gone, and they don't know who to contact, and it will cost so much to get a lawyer. They don't know who to go after. You know, these people pop up a dime a dozen. Now, who's Herb Abrams Jr.? He's nobody. Herb never had any children, so he's just trying to use a name to get rich what? off. Of. All right, because I saw that Herb Abrams Jr. Was that his son? Yeah. Uh, not going to call him illegitimate him. son, maybe. <laughs> um, you know, oh, that's one of these hookers got pregnant or something. Um, I don't think he had a kid with anybody. <laughs> Maybe he's the bastard. I, still can't, son. I can't go with the fact that it was your dog on that. <laughs> you ruined it for me. Now it's I'm ruined. Sorry. I thought it was his dog. My dog's a celebrity now. Maybe I could get an Alpo commercial. You know I think you might be right. Mike, you know what? I can't. I don't understand, though. You mean to tell me Herb Abrams passed away and it, the company was left in some sort of limbo where ESPN can just come in and grab it? Someone, he left well, they it didn't hanging? grab it. Someone actually sold them the Somebody tapes. Somebody else sold them the rights, and yeah. I don't know how they got the tapes or the rights. How and, did uh, they get the rights? This is insane. The guy's name is Al Burke, uh, from Al what Burke. I hear. He used to be called Dr. Feelgood, and he wrestled a lot. You know, WWF, he was an enhancement talent, you know, and then he came and worked with Herb a little bit. I actually wrestled him at uh, Blackjack Brawl out in Las Vegas. Missy Hyatt managed him, and... Uh, he put me over that night. We had a good match, but oh. uh, after that, nobody heard of Al Burke or anything for a couple of years. All of a sudden, I hear he's selling UWF tape to ESPN, and uh, I never got any residuals or nothing like that, and I never signed any contract or any releases to allow my name or likeness to... Uh, anything you'd like to say to Al Burke right now? Al, where's my residual checks? <laughs> I'm waiting. He took it easy on him. I thought that was kind. That was proper. That was polite. Uh, Good job. I'm a nice guy. I mean, you you're not going to change me. You're not going to change my lifestyle. I was I am who I am, and that's it. You know, <laughs> nothing really bothers me anymore. <laughs> so if you do it all over again, you'd still be a pro wrestler, though, right? I'd probably still be a pro wrestler. Nice. Maybe I would go into law enforcement after pro wrestling, or maybe during pro wrestling. I don't know if you guys knew this, but the Mongolian Stomper, he was a, a police officer. For many years when he wrestled. Wow. And, uh, you know, he would go back on it. Um, There's a lot of other guys in in the wrestling business that have been in law enforcement, too. Um, I think Bossman was a correction officer at Cobb County. So, you know, there's a bunch of guys that, you know, have been in law enforcement or like law enforcement or, you know, I respect law enforcement. My son-in-law is a Nassau County police detective. So I've always grew up, you know, loving law enforcement, you know, and I was always taught to respect your cops, firemen, you know, adults. You know, you kids out there, you need to respect your adults a little bit more and your teachers and, you know, do the right thing. 
can you weigh in on what's going on with the police and everything that's happening? We 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 need help. Steve's back. Steve's back. Steve's back. We need help in this country, and um, we all need to learn to like each other, get along with each other, and just do the best we can for each other. Help each other. Be a good neighbor. Be a good friend. Be a good family member, and respect others. The key word is respect. Absolutely. Steve, you back? Yes, uh, I'm sorry that things went like they did, but I, I finally ended up getting some uh, some good con- connectivity. What happened? You got bit by the dog? What happened? <laughs> so, um, <laughs> I, well, I'm operating all this off a cell phone right now, so it, the phone was like just heated up to to the max. So, don't y'all have any internet out there in Kansas City? So, St- Steve, we were talking to Sonny about your. Uh, your your case against ESPN and how he wish he would have known about it, he would have joined in. Um, can you just tell us a little bit about the decision that was waived that basically that ESPN had rights to the tape and as long as they didn't ask you to promote it, they didn't owe you any money? Yeah, okay. First of all, one of the things that um, a lot of fans probably don't know in detail is that the uh, – have like I, like I heard Sonny say in their their due diligence wasn't done to where they, they could produce a signed release. They didn't have that, and that was uh, became a, a very strong talking um, and even uh, for settlement power. Um, we to know exactly where we could, um, as far as the, uh, you know, the, there would have to be an independent audit. And that, through that independent audit, that was going to cost them over 300 some odd thousand dollars just for an independent audit. That's much money. Uh, because it's like 10 years. I mean, you get an advantage. Depending on all the markets that it was in, it's a different value for each market. So, uh, you know, one of the things we were looking at is what we should do. And I I didn't want to settle. I wanted to get to the the nuts and bolts of exactly what it was that they didn't do correctly. And and, and then that way, um, you know, I would be able to get exactly what was promised to me. I didn't want anything more. I wasn't looking for an opportunity here. I just wanted to get what, what was promised to me and, and you know, Ideally, if you look at money, uh, uh, you know, Disney's worth and ESPN and all that, you surely get the picture of what they did uh, was wrong. And there was, you know, and it became it became much bigger than me. That part, um, I'd like to be able to articulate. Uh, I know we could contact my attorney and have him explain it more in detail. Uh, from his perspective, but there were some things uh, where my, like I said, I, my attorney just dis- disappeared on me, and there was uh, for three years I, after he told me that, that we um, uh, filed for a, um, uh, after they won the very first case, he was going to file for an appeal, and he, he, you know, his coaching to me was M1, we want the appeal want the a case with the judge and we want a case with the jury. And so I'm, I'm thinking, okay, I'm getting it. That all makes sense. 
and then he just disappears. So no way of contacting him, uh, no way of reaching him. And then three years later, there, I found him on the uh, on the internet, and uh, I think through LinkedIn or something like that. <laughs> and you know, I didn't want to be really confrontational. I just basically wanted to know or understand what happened to the, you know, the, the planet. He, he just kind of, but I felt like he ho-hummed it, and he kind of brushed it off. But then, so I started digging and started research, and from everything that I started, you know, seeing as far as what he, uh, what was produced, and what was said, and uh, from from my perspective, um, the uh, lawsuit then became uh, something more. Of a, if I would have won, it would have created a case um, bubble which would allowed all these other entertainers to get the same that type of benefit, which could have cost Disney uh, a lot of money. And so from there, uh, if, you, if you look at the Hollywood Insider that's written on ESPN versus Wild Things TV Ray, you'll see that the way they write the article is as if they beat some big giant, uh, you know, uh, much bigger than them. And it, it's they didn't even call me for an interview. Uh, this is Hollywood Insider. So, you know, Hollywood Insider, and then I, I couldn't understand why there was Vince McMahon on the page of it. Almost, you know, like two buttons. It just, it all just uh, kind of baffled me. And, you know, that's, this is another reason why, I, honestly, I didn't want to bring Sonny in on it because I didn't want, you know, Sonny has a lot of uh, connections and friends and people he's close to in the business and I just I didn't want to take him down that road if you know and, and make him feel uncomfortable so I, I mean, <sighs> well that's that's understandable uh Sonny real quick question then we got one final question from the Farrell um yes. Michael Allen Rubin asked the matches you and Steve had against the Blackhearts, you, the chair shots you took. He said those were pretty stiff. What was the deal with that? No, we like I've I worked with Tom Nash up in Calgary and stuff before, so we had a lot of good matches before. That's where I met him up there, and then we came back and many years later and wrestled UWF, and we just worked stiff. I mean, you know, we would work stiff up there. There was nothing, you know, other than that, you know, nice good chair shots. I mean. I give it a just like I take it. So, you know, we had some good 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 matches with the Blackhearts. Farrell, final question for Wet Wild. All right, guys. First of all, thank you both for coming on the show tonight. It's been awesome. Outside of the fact that that's not your dog out there, Stevie Ray, that's kind of depressing. But <laughs> the final... Uh, the final. <laughs> it's not Sorry. Stevie's dog. It's not his dog. You learned dog. something from this interview. There we go. It's not his dog. Okay, guys, finally, the final question. Did either of you talk about with each other possibly trying to get the Wet n' Wild gimmick to Vince McMahon's WWF? You know, I, I never really talked about it. I don't think we were going to bring it to Vince. Um, I think maybe Global or maybe WCW, it would have worked out a lot better. Okay. Um, Vince already had the Rockers at the time, and he had a lot of different people. The Beverly Brothers were in there, and... Um, he, he had a lot of tag teams in there, the, the Young Stallions, Conquistadors. So I don't know if that would have worked at that time, but okay. you never know. I never really talked about it. Stevie? Is Stevie with us? Stevie's gone? The, Stevie's dog, gone. the dog got him. The dog. 
Uh, so we lost the. Does your dog bite? No. All right. That's so not my dog. My I dog doesn't bite. Went wild. We we got through this. It was a little couple technical difficulties. Thank you, Monty and the Pharaoh. <laughs> He's got to get Sonny, that in. Sonny, <laughs> Sonny carried us through. Steve, if you could hear us out there, thank you. Uh, try, we want to get you into New York and have you guys here together. I yes. mean, that's our. Hey, we love it. I had a great time with Tony Atlas and you guys the last time we were in, and Pat Tanaka, and uh, that was my last normal meal. We just had a really good time, and uh, I enjoyed being with you guys. You guys are you know we doing a great you, job out here. Thank and, you. Uh, you know, I always enjoy coming on, so whenever you need me, I'll, I'll try to be here for you guys. So, so you're doing a great job. The big Thank news you, as we Thank were you. talking is, uh, and for the fans out there, is uh, we are this close. We're going to be on Amazon. Very close. Um, so I think you're going to really get it before the year's up. Yep, and uh, once that goes on, it'll be exciting news for everybody, and we're we're marching along, and thanks to people like Sunny Beach, who supports the show. Um, you know, we well, I think all wrestling fans should support it because you get some of the best talent out here and everybody loves coming on your show and you guys are the real deal. You know, I mean, you ask every question, you does no, nothing off limits and that's what the fans want to hear, you know, and that and, and it shows your your realty and your real fans both of you and and you love the business and you're giving back to the community and that's why I love it. Well, can so. I try one question? So this weekend sure. we've got Al Snow Right. Doink and Dink, Ooh. and then the man that rules the world, Sid Vicious, right? Ooh. Very cool. Um, this is a question I'm going to ask Doink. Uh, Doink. Oh, here All right, we go. and here I, we want, go. I want your personal opinion here on this. Here we go. Right. Go ahead. I'm going to ask him, <laughs> Do you? <laughs> did you go down on your wife in clown makeup? <laughs> what? Do you think that's a fair question? Is that something Sid, wrestling fans want to know? Up? I mean, Wait uh, a minute. Wrestling fans might want to know that. You know, wrestling fans want to ask you anything goes any down. If a clown goes down... The fans want to know if the clown goes down. You are a sick blankety-blank-blank-blank. Blank, blank. Like I said, great? you could ask any question here. That's, that's true. You think You're right. We are cutting edge. You could ask Al Snow about head. That's, that's right. And by the way... I'm bring up head and I clown going down. I did not know down. this. I just yeah, learned family this affair today. This week, folks. Al Snow's ex-wife is... Holy oh, no, no, no. You know her? I don't even know who you're talking about. You I don't should, want you should ask Steve Ray about I'm his ex-wife. Well, I did. I, you know... She's one of, she was one of the gladiators. Was she gladiators. really? Oh, yeah. Now? Yeah, he has children oh. with her. Wow. Next time you have Steve on, Not the big one from the Fiji Islands. Right? No, no, not the big That's one. That's a glow. The, the gladiators. Oh, the gladiators. American gladiators. <laughs> They're both bad 80s television shows. Like, I know any difference between <laughs> the gladiators. gladiators. They, they were hot. both terrible. Anyway. Well, well, how hot was his wife? <laughs> she was pretty hot. Really? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he liked her. He had kids with her, so I guess he was pretty How hot. long were they together? Which These are questions I, I, I would be asking. They were for a few years. I mean, they had a kids, so I, I mean, I don't know how long. They but, didn't uh, know the clowns, did they? I don't know if they knew the clowns. The clowns but they had glad so they had like this baby gladiators. Baby gladiators. Baby yeah. pretty awesome. Gladiators. Well no, he was in fitness, right? Steve Stove did a Power Shack International. I mean he had a huge fitness company in Kansas City. Yeah, it's a that's a huge. big fitness company. Mail order, he had shirts, he and had she was really one cool of the gladiators, she one, was one of the, like gladiators. the, the gladiators. Wow. Yeah. Said baby gladiators. Baby that's pretty kick ass. Yeah. So yeah, he was yeah. you know, he did good for himself. Final question before we cut out. Yes, sir. Your son. Yes. Did he ever have interest in getting to the biz? He did, but I kind of discouraged him. Oh, 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 you know, it's a oh, it's a don't. tough life, and I, I, you know, I I could have done a lot more things. You know, like mm-hmm. I could have been a policeman. I could have done pretty much whatever I wanted to do, mm-hmm. but I chose this life. And you know, there was a few years that were you know 
meek and you know uh, you know I was struggling a little bit you know to make it and first couple of years paying my dues I didn't know if I wanted to keep going or not but I stuck through it and you know there was nights where you know I wouldn't get paid I would set up the ring I would wrestle I would tear down the ring I would go to town to town and I wouldn't even have money I'd make 20 bucks or 30 bucks you know independent shows and you know just to have enough money for gas in the car you know, so that was the paying the dues part of it. But then when I got to WWF All Japan, I made some decent money. I saved my money. Yeah. So, I mean, I got to meet my wife when I was wrestling in WWF. I met her at Wagner College in Staten Island. Next week I was wrestling at Madison Square Garden. You know, so it was like, you know, one thing that to, you know, opportunities. That's got to be a huge effort. You know, I've been blessed. Too, right? I've been very yeah. blessed, and I, I count my blessings every day. A lot of people aren't here right now, like you said, Kamala and so many others that I wrestled with, all my wrestling brothers and sisters that aren't here. You know, God bless them all, you know. And it's a it's a fraternity, and people don't understand that, you know. Once you get the bug or the itch and you get become in the wrestling business, you're you're there for life. Well, I, I'll, we'll leave with this. I will tell you when I first met you, and then I would like when you used to talk about the boys. I could see it in your eyes, and I got to tell you, yeah. for someone who's been a fan, there's like a certain level of jealousy. Like, wow, I wish I could have had that kind. Like, I was in the military, right? Right. And I have brothers in that. Right. It's kind of the same. It's thing, kind of the but same, it, but like a college fraternity almost. Yeah, yeah. It's like me and my cats. We bond. Oh boy! I wasn't in the army, and I didn't wrestle Madison Square Garden. What do you want from me? But you're good to the core. Thank you. You're welcome. Anyway, I want to thank Wet and Wild, Sunny Beach, and Steve Ray. Nice. And uh, we'll thank be you for back having us this Saturday with Doink Dink, Al Snow, and the Man That Rules the World, yeah. Sid Vicious, on a long Saturday. Oh, yeah. And right. uh, I just want to thank you everybody. Bring, you bringing me coffee? You want coffee? It's a long day. Yeah. I want coffee. I want beer. I want uppers. We're having beer. I, I, I think uh, eight, uh, you know American Protection Bureau will supply some nice shirts for the boys, you know, uh, so that way they can have a little awesome. a giveaway so for you know the boys. They That's always awesome. like getting a little something. I'd like to get these two together in the same room too after tonight. And we got to get Stevie right down here. Oh yeah, That's definitely. That's got to happen. So I want to party. Sid about UWF. Sid work with the UWF. Yeah. Yeah. They all did. Yeah. Anyway, you've been watching so. Long Island's number one pro wrestling broadcast, Monty and the Faro scene here every Thursday out of Indie Music TV. This is Mike Monty. This is the Faro until Saturday. Later. Wait a minute, though. What? What did I forget? You're now? still the man. Huh? You're I'm still, still the, man, the man. Which is videos debuting right now. Again? Yeah. Stay tuned. Millie Vanilli.